Hey, how we doing? This is Psychotronicast. My name is Alec Berg, and joining me this time in the flesh, but unfortunately uh, with subpar recording equipment, is Derek Estes. You can and should subscribe to us on whatever platform that you're listening to this on. You should visit our website, Psychotronicast.com. You should follow us on Instagram, Psychotronicast, and you should write to us, Psychotronicast at gmail.com, and subscribe to our Patreon. All right, we're in the thick of it. Here we are, part two of the John Waters 70s series. Without further ado, Derek, what the hell are you getting us into? Uh, so we're doing Pink Flamingos. This is the the one that really kind of made his his fame. It became one of the first big midnight movies, and it's still like probably the filthiest movie ever made. So um, yeah, it's great. I, I've seen this movie countless times, and so yeah, this is like the second time I've made you watch it. Yes. And, yeah. And yeah, here we are. Here we are. On the other side of it again. It's great, too, because this is uh, the first podcast that we've recorded this late at night. Usually we were, uh, I'm getting older. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. It was with, a real midnight movie tonight. It so really was a midnight movie. Yeah, it's almost two in the morning. We're recording this now. Um, you know, especially after coming off of multiple maniacs, um, you really, really, I really dig this movie more the second time around. Oh, yeah. Well, this was one of the first movies that you showed me anyway when we first started hanging, so I knew nothing about psychotronic, psychotronic films in general, so this blew my mind. But watching it again still blows my mind for how fucking dirty and nasty it is. I, <laughs> I can't believe I didn't remember how nasty and dirty it really got. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, this was a treat, especially coming off of Multiple Maniacs, so hopefully those of you that are listening to this now uh, went back and listened to the Multiple Maniacs episode, but also watched it because it really pays off seeing the same characters once again in this film. Only in color! In, in just vivid, like, lurid color. Uh, this one is great. Like, uh, the premise Divine it plays Divine, but uh, is you know incognito as uh, alias Babs Johnson and is living out in a trailer out in the middle of, well, it's supposed to be like Phoenix, Maryland, like somewhere outside of Baltimore. And yeah, you get a lot of the same uh, people uh, Mary Vivian Pierce is supposed to be like her companion, like her traveling companion called named Cotton. Uh, then uh, she has her son with her named Crackers. Uh, Cookie Mueller shows back up as like a spy. You have uh, Edith Massey this time as Babs' mom, the egg lady. Um, and yeah, you just also you have you know the arch villains of uh, Divine are uh, Connie and Raymond Marvel, played by Mink Stoll and David Lockery. And it's just like, yeah, all of these people are so great. And you get like, I feel, you know, this one has such killer dialogue. Like it's the total John Waters, like the last one where it's just like these run on scenes, which is just, it's incessant dialogue. But this one I think is even tighter and just like has the most, like, it's so more ridiculous mm -hmm. and it's hilarious. And you can tell where he's pulling from too, especially... With this one, you can see it just basically from the posters on his wall like he did with Multiple Maniacs, but this time it's easier to um, see because of the color. But also, um, in the first film, you see, um, like, you know, it, there's the Herschel Gordon Lewis ties, but uh, in this one especially, I'm starting to get the Russ Meyer-ness from him. Oh, yeah. With the, the dialogue, especially. Because <laughs> in the first film, you see a poster for Vixen on his wall, and then in this film, you see a poster for Lorna, 
And um, now I'm starting to. I'm not. It's not Jack Handy, but who was the guy who wrote for Russ in the glory days oh, of all the um, fast talking dialogue? Yeah. Uh, Spring this on you at one forty in the morning. Yeah, My I can't bad. Think of his name right now. His I name is yeah. Jack something. I know Jack Handy was a writer for SNL, so it is not yeah, Jack totally Handy, the but it's thoughts. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, it's just that fast quip talking dialogue um, with just a whole lot of pizzazz. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, yeah, I just I totally love it. I think yeah, adding the color to this is so great, and he really uses it with you know the set design. Like this one, you know, even just the you just look at certain scenes and just the way that like the pinks and the like turquoises and you know all of Divine's clothes, and also the way that like Mink Stoll and David Lockery and their crazy like her bright red hair and mm-hmm. his crazy blue hair, which extends all the way down. You know the curtain matches the drapes. Oh my god, and that's the, the thing. Is you have to bleach that. You have to take all the color out of your hair. I used to bleach and dye my hair plenty of colors back when I was a teenager. And um, it sucks if you have dark hair. And David Lockerty has dark hair. So you have to bleach that shit multiple times. Probably getting scabs on your scalp. And then you've got to apply dye. But back in those days, they didn't have color like that. As uh, John Waters explained... After the feature, what do they use again? Well, they just used like India ink, and then he used magic markers. That's right on his hair. And so you know, like they didn't have like manic panic, and you know all mm-hmm. these. Um, there was no things. hot topic. Yeah, in 1972. Yeah, and they just totally go all out. It's yeah, just the way this movie looks. Everything about it is just such a like total package. Um, and then it's also like for me, what makes like this is the the filthy, shocking things. This movie are still. I mean, I've seen this movie, you know like a dozen times and it still like makes me want to gag in certain scenes or it's like really shocking and uncomfortable and it's like this is um you know like when they just really were like they went as far as i think they could really go and not that the next two movies definitely get pretty fucked up in a lot of ways but i feel there's this thing space you can't you can't top yeah divine eating a dog shit fresh um, hot like shit. you see it go from the dog's like asshole into you know his gums mm-hmm. and when when john waters i was listening to the uh, i was listening to the um the commentary from multiple maniacs i'm sure some of you know from the first episode because i kept relating back to it but uh he said after pink flamingos it's like once divine ate shit it's like where do you go from there you don't go yeah. anywhere and it's like by then like the shock and all thing was kind of over with so it was time to do something else and also he said if he went any further, he would never get a job in Hollywood ever. Because it's like, once you top Pink Flamingos, then you are just on an island. Oh, yeah. And I'm surprised he wasn't on an island after this. But you know what? A hit is a hit, and Hollywood's going to come knocking. Well, and this was like one of those movies where, um, God, I wish I, I could remember the name of the theater. Um, but it was the this theater in New York that I should know, but now it's whatever, 2 in the morning. It's like, I don't have it on me. But uh, the... Yeah, he ended up just started playing it like at midnight. So this was like I think right after El Topo, which is like the first midnight movie. Fuck yeah! And so then, um, you know, this, you know, like they just started playing this at midnight. And even on the trailer, you see all the people who like are going to see the movie, and they're just getting really excited because it was getting good press. You know, it's like Rex Reed, you know, is recommending people go see this. You know, he's not like really a fringe critic, um, but it was just like that period where people were just like they were looking for um, these things and. and you know, with the underground film movement, which had, you know, really been picking up, especially in places like New York, um, it just, it found its audience. And it's really funny, because, I mean, the big, the uh, like, what, the big four midnight movies were El Topo, Pink Flamingos, uh, you know, The Harder They Come, and Eraserhead. 
you know, it's like, it's just a crazy, yeah. you know, and then, uh, plot of movies. Rocky Horror, somewhere Oh, yeah, there. sorry, yeah, Rocky Horror was the other one. Um, and, you know, all, all five of those movies are just all so different from each other, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. And it's, this money, this movie, like I was talking to you earlier, like, I have seen in the theater only once, and uh, it was, here's a little small, you know, uh, kind of neighborhood movie theater in Portland, and it was funny because there were definitely people in the audience. I think, you know, they knew Divine. They know Divine from, you know, very memed. And, you know, you see even a lot of images from this movie all over the internet. And, you know, different, uh, you know, people doing like crafts and things of her in the, the pink dress. But the reality is this this movie is a lot more hardcore than I think people are expecting. Like if you're used to like Hairspray and you're used to even some of the other movies, uh, the stuff happening in this movie that like really freaks people out i think the 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 first really big one i mean there's a lot of stuff like so in the movie babs johnson divine and uh the marvels are having like their their battle is about who's the filthiest person alive and divine is you know apparently wanted by the police and there's you know she's just like got this reputation and the marvels really want it and their whole deal um is really really pretty lewd they kidnap hitchhikers hitchhike girls they take them home to their pit in the basement they have their like gay manservant like raped and impregnate them and then they later take the children uh take the the infants and they sell them for about five thousand dollars to lesbian couples and then they take that five thousand dollars and they invest it in their businesses like selling heroin in elementary schools and whatever so like that's their whole deal um, as you would. As I think if, if The Wire would have had a couple more seasons, maybe they would have tackled this subject. Yeah, totally. But they didn't. They just, they just, you know, in that sixth season of The Wire. Yeah. This is what, the, this is what they would have been tackling. Um, but yeah, so they have this whole this whole thing going back and forth. I love the scene early on when uh, Connie Marble is interviewing this woman to try to get the job. And the woman, she's all dressed like in neutrals too, and her name is Sandy Sandstone. And she's <laughs> just like... Uh, yeah, like you don't, you know, like Connie Marble Minkstall is kind of like, you know, you don't even know who Divine is, and that's, you know, a prerequisite for this job. And the woman's just like freaking out, like, how am I supposed to know that? But Minkstall gets like the, like one of her great lines in this movie is like, uh, there are two types of people in this world, my kind of people and assholes. And I can tell which one you are. And there's also the, uh, the woman is freaking out, and she's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, I thought I was gonna get this job, and she's like, "Well, you can eat shit, or you can eat whatever you'd like. It's none of my business." Yeah, um, foreshadowing, it's, foreshadowing. It's so great. Uh, yeah, it's I love it. Absolutely wild. Um, also, if you've noticed from multiple maniacs to pink flamingos, uh, their whips have gotten a lot better. They went from Cadillacs that didn't work to two Cadillacs that do work. Oh yeah. And the soundtrack, uh, you have a double feature New Line Cinema This and Female Trouble on DVD that came out like 20 something years ago. And it has all the original music in it which is fucking wild. Yeah. Because there's a lot of hits on this. Well and this was even, I think they because this uh, came out after like the 25th anniversary so that was when they went in and at that point restored it and put like all the music in so even at the end they'll have like the actual like music credits like okay you know we have uh, Little Richard the Girl Can't Help It um, and that's a scene in this movie that's just so amazing is when oh, man. Divine you know is going her grocery shopping yeah and then going walking all around in Baltimore and it's so great because they do this tracking shot from a car and you see all the real reactions to her and it's yes. just like the outfit you know she's wearing is so amazing and just like it 
it's incredible. It's such a great... It's like one of the great scenes in film history. <laughs> it kind of is, because it's just like... And it's also cool, like, seeing a snapshot of, you know, a city in America in the early 70s that you usually don't see on film. It's like, here's Baltimore. Yeah. Here's, like, super black Baltimore reacting to fucking Divine and her crazy, crazy makeup. Because it's even stepped up a notch from multiple maniacs. Like, this is when she's doing, like, the hairlines all the way back. And she's doing her eyebrows that basically touch where her hairline should begin. Mm -hmm. It is wild. It has, like, the grow out. And it's all, like, bleached out and just, like, brassy yellow and just fried. Uh, Yeah, it's so incredible. Um, I love that. I love the scene... Coming out, literally, it's also like, yeah, probably the the next biggest shocker, and for some people, probably the deal breaker for the movie is when her son, uh, Crackers, brings over his date, Cookie Mueller, and uh, and goes to go fuck her in the back shed, and the whole thing like, Cotton is really into it too. She's like, oh, I just can't wait to see. I hope you do something different. You know, she's just waiting to watch him fuck. And so he has these chickens, and so they like fuck, but with these chickens between them, and they just like they're you know they're killing the chickens. There's just blood everywhere, and it's it's crazy, it's insane. And then you see she's like these fucking chickens hurt because they're just like scratching her and just yeah. like freaking out. Um, yeah, that that scene is insane. And it's funny because I had I was watching this movie once. Um, I had an old like CRT, you know, TV. And this is my last apartment, and it, it was like immediately after that scene, the TV just died. Wow. In the middle of the movie. It just totally, like, just shot the shit and just was gone. And it's funny because I ended up telling this story to John Waters the second time that I met him. No and, way! Yeah, and then it was funny because I forgot the first time. I'm like, oh, I never told him that story. I should tell him. And I told him, and he was like, uh-huh. Like, I think he thought I was just full of shit, and I was just making up, trying to make up a story about Pink Flamingos. Uh-huh. I'm like, no, my fucking TV literally fucking died in the middle of this movie. I think it was just so filthy, my TV just couldn't handle it. That sucks that he didn't believe you. <laughs> So, yeah, real quick, I, yeah, we didn't touch on this in the first one, so you've had a couple different opportunities to meet him? Yeah, I met him, well, they were both, um, when he tours around with uh, his, his like, you know, show. Um, I've seen his Christmas show once, um, and I did the meet and greet then, and then I saw him for his Valentine's Day show. Uh, they're both here in Portland at the Aladdin Theater. And then I also saw him, I mean, I didn't, like, meet him then, but I also went to the Burger Boogaloo uh, his music festival that he uh, in Oakland in Oakland yeah. yeah which now is kind of Burger Records is all kind of dismantled they had some Me Too stuff happen, yes they so. did so yeah that all fell apart yes, but that they did. is a really fun festival it's being rebranded and it's happening still I guess and once things resume but um, it was a really fun show. It's nuts that John Waters is almost 80 now. Yeah. And I'm so late to the bandwagon. Like, I mean, like I said in the previous episode, I, I just knew, like, the shit that we play on Comedy Central when I was growing up. But um, I would love to see him live. <laughs> I would just, so funny. I would kill The first time live. I met him, um, the, the, you know, I might have even said this in the last podcast, but I don't think I did, though. I don't think you um, did. But, because he had just, it was like, she was... Um, had a picture of him and Angela Lansbury taken at the Criterion Collections, like, uh, you know, their offices, because they are preparing for, uh, I think, the restoration for Female Trouble, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, or actually, it was maybe Multiple Maniacs. So, and I was like, oh, I just saw that picture of you and Angela Lansbury. It's just so crazy. 
And he was like, oh, yeah, I used to see her back in the bathhouses in the 70s. Because it was like when everyone would just go hang out at the bathhouses and like whatever, because Bette Midler's playing um, or Barry Panela. I was like, oh, yeah, like she was there. And I will never get the image of Angela Lansbury in like a 70s gay bathhouse out of my my head. As you shouldn't. Yeah. As you shouldn't. Um, Man, what a... What a time to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive. So yeah, we've um we kind of briefly touched on um David Lockerty with his blue hair and his blue pubes, but man, there's just something him and Mink Stoll as like the tag team. I don't know, there's no good guys, there's no bad guys, they're just evil. But like them only them like, as a tag team has a shot at taking on Divine yeah. in in something of this realm. Because they really are like I think after John Waters made Multiple Maniacs, he's like, all right, who are the th- like the people that really stand out who can carry a pitcher? Oh, yeah. And he knew. He was just like, Ming Stoll, uh, Lockerty, and Divine. So it's just like, they are them. And then everybody else is just like window dressing. Yeah. And it totally works. I, I really like, uh, after watching Multiple Maniacs, to, to it's like him. It's just like, oh, I'm testing the waters. Like, what can I do? Whatever. And then... I'm guessing, like, once he toured with Divine with the print of Multiple Maniacs around the country and people were coming out and he had a crowd and stuff, when it came time to make Pink Flamingos, people knew, like, oh, shit, people are going to see this. This is a big deal. Like, this will get released as as what I imagine, like, a few years prior, like, oh, we're making this funny film. Who knows if it'll ever get done or if anybody will ever see it. This is, like, the the film that I think made New Line Cinema. Crazy. And now, like, yeah, they do, they, they shoot Pink Flamingos and it's... It's always like it always blows my mind to see something like this, which there aren't many of these out there. But to to be like, wow, like people really did this on film and knew what they were doing and knew that people were gonna see it. But it's just like, what the fuck else are you gonna do? It's oh, like yeah. I'm there. Here's a guy who's like eventually gonna be a cultural icon, and these people aren't stupid enough. Uh, aren't stupid. They they can see it on the wall. Like this is something. This is a moment and this is a movement and i'm a part of something so like i will do anything to be in this film and that's exactly what everybody did they all just go out i mean even with him with david lockery like how his whole thing like one of his other like uh you know like fetishes is he likes to go flash but he first likes to tie meat to his dick yes and then go flash people in the park yeah um and it's just like this movie is just so full of just weird like perverts and just weird things going on this is the scene when she's when Divine is shoplifting in the store and like putting the meat between her legs but there's the other like weird kind of pervert that comes up and he's just squeezing a bag of hot dogs mm. at her uh, lots of weird yeah sexualized meat and animals <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah I guess they also ate the chicken after they fucked it so yeah and that was yeah the whole when you were saying that was like the deal breaker for a lot of people at the theater that you saw or any theater playing this movie anywhere is the chicken fucking death scene like John Waters explains like hey like I eat chicken. Where does it come from? It comes from this. And it's like where do where do we buy the chicken from? A place that the chicken was eventually going to be killed and eaten. And it's just like I think it had a better life. It got to be in a movie. It got to be fucked. And then we ate it. Yeah. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why he's lost every court case he's ever been in, as he's described in the 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 later notes of the the extra bonus features for this film. But it's just like. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's so crazy. But some of this, you know, like you're like, well, they well, don't have laws against some of this stuff. You yeah, know? they don't have laws against eating dog shit in the movie because who would ever do it? Who would ever do it? You know, and it never, it didn't become a trend. It wasn't like you know, 
uh, jackass. Yeah. Well, jackass. <laughs> I say, like, what, what were those tied uh, pods? Oh my god! Was eating, you know, like it didn't turn into a, a craze. You didn't yeah. have like drugged out hippies eating. I will shit. say. I, mean, I guess actually, I guess there are people who do that, but yeah. Well, that's the thing. True story. This happened twice. Uh, back before I was an adult, and I lived in a crazy, like, insane bachelor pad. Uh, we used to throw crazy parties, and I had a friend that would do insane things for money at these parties. And this person uh, once drank month-old piss that was sitting in an Arrowhead bottle in my garage for $100. And then this same person ate uh, dog shit in my backyard for $100. Wow. Yeah, you know this person. I was going to say, is this person's initials BL? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Oh, I love him. Miss him. Yeah. He's no longer with us. No, no, no. He's on the East Coast now. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, it's that is amazing, and I'm totally not surprised by that. Um, you also like, yeah, little Edie, or yeah, uh, I guess little Edie that'd be uh, Grey Gardens, but uh, Edith Massey, uh, is Edie the egg lady. She is, um, just really, really going all at it. She's in her little cage, just eating her eggs, she's mm-hmm. in love with the egg man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like, you feel so sorry because you can tell a few of these scenes where it's like fucking freezing cold when you can see their breath and you can tell it's fall slash winter in baltimore because the leaves are on the ground and you're like motherfucker Marilyn looks horrific (laughs) and they're filming in the middle of the woods just wherever and it's like i I remember hearing it might have been in one of the commentaries or something but uh he was like it wasn't even like like in multiple maniacs when they're like in the woods they're clearly in like his parents backyard or they're close by remember him saying like this was so remote there was no electricity out there like there was literally nothing they had to like hike you know quite a ways to get out there and like their cameras didn't need whatever they had like remote batteries whatever but there was like there was nothing there was no food there's just like you had to hike out there and you were fucking freezing and she's just like naked um and one of the deleted scenes that he has at the end of uh this where she's getting like eggs like cracked all over her and you're like oh my god she's got to be like just dying but i love her whole like <laughs> her whole deal is she's just obsessed with eggs and they have to tell her stories about humpty dumpty and then her she ends up getting engaged to the egg man um and eventually married and then she kind of you know just takes off into the sunset into a wheelbarrow i kind of feel for her because um back in my like drunken blackout days like my my deal was when I come home super hammered from a bar or whatever, I'd be just like blasted and be like, oh, I want food or whatever. And I was known for making like 12 eggs over medium and just eating them with tiger sauce and sriracha. Did that all the time. Recently going to a doctor uh, about my cholesterol and all that stuff. I've, I've luckily got like most of my numbers down, but some of my cholesterol is still high. And then I still eat kind of a lot of eggs for a person, <laughs> for a human. They're like, stop eating eggs. So recently I had to stop eating eggs, and it's been like one of the saddest parts of my life. So watching the egg lady, I'm like, I feel you, girl. Like, I'd be eating 50 (laughs) eggs in my underwear, too. Um, (laughs) BTDT. Oh, yeah. She is is really great. And this is like the one where I think people really... I mean, she had her little cameo in Multiple Maniacs, and she's going to go on and have some really great roles. Like, in Female Trouble, she has maybe I mean like I love cuddles to death and polyester but I do think Aunt Ida and Female Trouble is maybe her her uh, yeah I don't know it's it's arguably maybe her best role oh I can't um, wait because I love her in polyester yeah it's me hard. too cuddles yeah that one I mean that one with is, the butler uh, the whole deal yeah Heinz Heinz um, but yeah her deliveries are so great I just love her so much 
Um, there's also like yeah, there's Channing, the guy who's the uh, the butler for the Marvels, and then his whole thing because they after the, so there's the, the really great scene. It's it is a it's a great scene because of the dialogue. It's so funny when they're going to pick up the hitchhikers, and they're just like berating this lady. He's just like they're just complaining about the fucking hippies, and he's like, "What are you gonna do?" You know, like and the girl's like, "I'm just gonna meet my boyfriends and friends." You know, friends of his, it's like, oh, a gangbang, just gonna spread your VD around. Yeah. And they're just like, just terrible. So they end up taking her, and then Channing has to like impregnate her, but then he gets this like fucking idea to like just jerk off into his hand and then syringe it. And you totally fucking see the shot of this syringe full of, I mean, it looks like jizz. It probably just is. I doubt they actually, you know, made the, the KY and egg whites that we've done. <laughs> And uh, and you literally watch it like being injected into her vagina. It's so gnarly. So there's that. Yeah, that's another one of those scenes. Where you're just like, God, how did this movie? How you know? I mean, it still plays. I mean, people still see this movie. But it's funny because this one, right now, it hasn't been put out on Blu-ray. And I think that the expectation is that Criterion will eventually do it because they've been doing all these other movies in the series. Because Warner Brothers doesn't, you know, hasn't, they haven't made any efforts to touch it, and I wouldn't imagine them right now. <laughs> no, but it is like such an iconic movie, and it is like it, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm probably, I'm waiting for Criterion to maybe find the right time to release it, because the people who know this movie and are, they are already the freaks that you know. I think that you know the people who are going to be the most upset probably aren't going to go see it, um, or I don't know, search this one out. But who knows? Um, but I can't wait for that day because hopefully this would also get like another even as discreet uh, theatrical <laughs> run after a new. Uh, this is just my fantasy. no fucking way. I'm like, there's no way this. I mean, maybe it'll play at like four theaters, like yeah. the New Bev Alamo Draft House, like the Castro Theater, maybe. Oh yeah, like totally. I mean, some of those, like yeah. I mean, this is this is um, yeah. This is a no, notable film in film history, and God. the theatrical experience, kind of like yeah, it's like the you know the Rocky Horror thing where you just you got to be down. Have you ever seen any of the other midnight movies in a theater, like El Topo um, or whatever? I, you know what? No, I haven't. Same because um, yeah, because it's really sad to well Rocky Horror. I should have because I've always been a huge Rocky Horror fan, and we do have in Portland before COVID shut everything down. Uh, the Clinton Street Theater, which I think they've been playing it uh, consistently since like 1975 or 76. Same so, way. Like, I think it's the, yeah. one of the, la- the longest uh, theater. There's a theater in Santa Monica that played, that had been doing that every Friday at midnight or every Saturday at midnight and I just never had the balls to go because I've heard the things about when you go for the You're first time. Yes. Yeah. And I've just always been turned off by that. Like, I don't want to do that. I well, don't want to be that point guy. Where I felt a little, like at first, because when I was in high school I was obsessed. I really wanted to go but I was too young. And then when I got a little older, then I was also like, oh, am I going to be that weird old person that just shows up to this? But whatever. Just be a freak and just, you know. I know. It's so weird because I've done so much other crazy shit, but I guess I just don't want to be put on blast ever, especially in a crowd full of people that are like, oh, yeah. You know, I don't know. It was just, I, I had no excuse. And plus, I also had nobody to go with me because at that time, it's just like, nobody would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nobody I hung out with would be into it. It's funny. It's also one of those movies, too, because a lot of people get so, you know, almost sick of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but it's like, I still love it, and it's still, like, it's it's just amazing. Tim Curry is so great. I mean, everybody in it. It's, I love the music. I mm-hmm. love Rocky Horror. Yeah. I'm, I'm not too cool for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Nor am I. Um, great film. Yeah, I just, the, yeah, this, the, uh, like, as their battle keeps going back and forth, um, I love, like, the, 
the also the scene with the marbles when they're like in bed like shrimping each other and there's like plotting and just like sucking each other's toes and just being so crazy it's also when you realize their pubes have been dyed um but they just they concoct the idea to send divine a turd for her birthday and then she ends up getting it the whole thing too with the mailman showing up is so great because mary vivian pierce like she's also like it's not quite Samuel Jackson, but when she puts fucking in something, it's just so, it's just like the funniest yeah. punctuation. It's the fucking mailman. It's a fucking mailman. <laughs> and so then they just like this whole, like the battle keeps getting upped, but then Divine ends up having her birthday party. And that is just so crazy because you get like so many kinds of like crazy freaks show up and they're like giving her like gifts like, uh, it's like crab removal medicine and poppers and a pig's head. Barf. Axe. Yeah. Fake barf. Um, and there's like, yeah, what is it like, Patty Hitler and like just yeah, it's. Is this supposed to be like a play on Patty Hearst, or is that before that? Maybe I think also it's um, it's uh, Pat Moran is playing her like oh, the, okay. the other, so I think that was also okay. so a lot of them use their own uh, yeah names, but uh, when the cops get called because the Marvels end up calling the police on them, then they end up just like killing the police and just cannibalizing them, and it's it's just awesome oh and they also have the, the crazy axe you have like the crazy like the snake dancing like lady and then you have the guy who's like the contortionist that uh you know i don't know can contract uh and open his asshole mm-hmm. and you know so you have this whole scene all set to uh the trash man's uh <laughs> the uh, fucking uh serpent bird this is a good enough time does uh what would what would have been like Obviously, either of us would have been in any John Waters film, but if you were back then, 70s, he's making films, what would have been, like, the tap out? Like, I'll be in your film. It's like, I need you to do this. Like, ah, never mind. I'm not doing that. I would say no to the shit. I wouldn't eat shit. I wouldn't eat shit. And I wouldn't do the asshole talk, but I think I'd do everything else. Definitely show my dick. I'd tie meat to my dick. Not a big deal. Yeah. I'd dye my pubes. Um, I think it's one of those pretty things, Pretty much i do almost everything. Because I think... It'd be that thing when you're in the middle of the madness, I think you would find yourself just like when confronted with like, well, we need to do this. You're like, I'll do it. Like, yeah. I think that's how, I think that's how you get divine to each. Cause I know the divine even later, like I heard stories where like, just like freaked out and they were just like, they didn't have Google or anything. They were just trying to like look through like medical diaries. Like, can I get worms or what am I, am I going to die? Am I going to get really sick? Just like, just totally freaking out. But it's like that thing where it's like John Waters was, you know, and he's he's you know obviously calmed down quite a bit now and he's you know he's very normal yeah <laughs> but he's like you know then it's like he was kind of a low key cult leader you know it's like he did get these people to do things that were totally crazy I mean even like you know getting this like fifty some year old woman to you know strip naked and tone her panties and freezing cold and have eggs cracked all over like you you have a certain power over the people around you so I think and you also get to the thing too where I'm sure you see what everyone else is doing and you like you also you're like well I'm not gonna be the fucking I'm not gonna pussy out with this I guess I'm just gonna you know one up myself or one up somebody else I think there's just like there's a weird psych, you know psychosis that uh, people get into and they're just able to do this shit that's just so insane okay um, yeah they also like there's the really weird scene he gets like um, like sometimes these really crazy inside joke like concepts that he wants to get across and somehow like I guess because I've seen this movie so many times I just I know it but I think the weirdest high concept thing that he has in this um, is 
Uh, well, the you know Connie and Raymond ended up burning down the trailer, and that is its own insanity uh, there. But then the next scene is when uh, Divine and Crackers go to get their revenge, and they go to the Marvel's house, and so they lick and put their saliva all over everything in their house because it is some sort of curse that once the Marbles return home that they're like the furniture rejects them and kicks them off and like and freaks out and you're like that is such a weird like that is almost like a, you'd have to have a whole movie about this whole for sure concept. that that would be a horror film today but they just kind of barely explain it and they're just like okay just like really just get things really juicy and just lick everything and spit on everything like just drool it's not even like spit so you get to drool on everything or lick everything yeah um, and just go through their whole house and it's great too because you know seeing some of these movies is this is where uh, Mink Stoll and John Waters were living and you recognize all of the artwork and stuff it's in a different place yeah but you're just like oh yeah that's the uh, the statue of the, the child of Prague that was in Multiple Maniacs uh-huh. and that's you know these are the posters he's moved this around or um it's great. Yeah. I mean, and we almost skipped over Divine actually sucking a dick in this movie. Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah. Sucks her son's dick. Uh, and that whole scene is so great. And uh, John Waters, I think it maybe it's in the commentary or maybe something else. Maybe he talks about how uh, he's like, that's the one thing in this movie I would take out because it, the reference doesn't make sense because it was right around the time that Deep Throat came out and people were really like seeing blowjobs in movies and just like it was kind of them making fun of that. And he said that, you know, now it's like that that particular joke doesn't translate the way that he wants it to. But I think that to anyone else, you're like, this is still totally, it's still really funny because he's like, just get my balls, mom. Or like, you gotta, and it's also probably the closest thing to anything really, uh, you know, the kind of Catholic things. Like, this is like our, um, you know, it's like a, this religious ceremony, you know, this this thing that we can have between mother and son. It's just so crazy. Where everything You have so much of that in Multiple Maniacs. Um, yeah, it's like a, a holy communion. Holy communion between uh, mother and son. It's so crazy. Um, yeah, it's nuts. Yes, it is. <laughs> but it somehow isn't as nuts as um, once... Mink stole. Oh no, no, sorry. Once Divine and uh, her son go down into the the dungeon and free the woman slaves. The woman slaves uh, chop the gay manservant's dick off, Herschel <laughs> Gordon Lewis style, and leave him for dead. Oh, it's yeah, it's so beautiful and gruesome. Especially when you go back and you later see him just down there dead. Yes, it's just like the gore. Oh, it's great. Um, yeah, and then at that point when they finally see it, that's when like Divine and uh, Cotton and Crackers all come, and then they kidnap uh, the Marbles and they take him off for a kangaroo court. And it's great because he was obviously really into like the Manson trial, and they're just following which like famous trials. So they're playing on a lot of these things. They have like the the media all show up, but yeah. it's just like it's like the Tattler and Confidential magazine, <laughs> and it's just they're so kind of civil, like oh, you know, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. It, it kind of almost is like the the third act in um, Natural Born Killers. Oh yeah! Like once they get the media involved, I'm like, I wonder if that was like some sort of thing with uh, like Pink Flamingos. But I have such a problem with Oliver Stone. I don't want to give him any credit for him even seeing that. Film. Well, that was wasn't it written by Quentin Quint Tarantino. Tarantino which yes. Is also funny, 
of all the different like crazy cult movie things that Quentin Tarantino references, I don't, I've never gotten any kind of John Waters reference. Neither like, have it's, I. It's not, it's not quite his. No, uh, definitely not his cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've listened to plenty of Quentin Tarantino. I've seen all this stuff, obviously, and stuff like that. It's like, there has not been one inkling where I'm like, ah. And I'll notice stuff in like Reservoir Dogs. I'm like, that's like House of Bamboo. Like, nobody thinks that. Oh, yeah. I think that. Like, he has no John Waters in his yeah, DNA. Yeah, I've never, I've never caught any of that. Same. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, also, yeah, I guess, yeah, after the, the trial and the... The outfit, too. I mean, the, yes. she's... Like, That's the divine, iconic outfit. It is the, yeah, divine outfit. Yeah. Just the makeup's all, like, sparkly. Um, and it's just, like, her outfits in this movie, too, are, like... Because they were good in the last one, but this one, they are so great at really giving divine, like, a feminine look. You know, just, like... Yeah, not just like you know, kind of like a heavy set drag queen, but it's like there's a real like I don't know, just uh, kind of convincing feminine physique. You know, she's almost like some sort of like Venus de Milo or something. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, um, but yeah, all the dialogue in this scene is also so great. Like you're convicted of assholeism, mm-hmm. and just like kill everyone now. Um, it's great. Yeah, I just it's it's fucking amazing. Um, yeah, I love it. Once all that's said and done, then you finally get the the final, like, where are we going to go now? Let's go to Boise, which I'm like, I wish you did. Apparently, <laughs> he said that after that, he's like, his movies have always done really well in Boise, yeah, Boise Idaho. Dope! Like, the, the people in Boise remembered the scene, and they, they took it to heart. Good so, for them. Yeah, he's like, it's really weird. Like, you wouldn't think, but that's you know, I one of the biggest towns. And then, yeah, the end of the film is obviously the iconic uh, Divine Eating Shit, and I wrote down... Uh, Tyler, the creator, ate a roach. Divine ate shit. It <laughs> both worked out very well for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... It is so... And it's like, even though, like, you've seen... It's like, that That still makes me, like, start to kind of gag. Yeah. You see... Also, you see gag... Uh, Divine go through having the gag reflex and trying to hold it back, but also just smiling. And it's not even just, like, getting... Like, I think getting it in your mouth or even just swallowing it, but it's the real mushing it around your tongue and you're getting it in your... Really savoring the flavor. Yeah, it's... It is so, it's like, you know, go get get it. I remember him saying how the thing is that dog, like, for whatever reason, just could not shit. Like, they just walked around and walked around waiting for the dog to fucking take a shit, and it wouldn't. So, um, it's probably, like, some animal cruelty thing. But they ended up getting, um, like, a bag for, like, a hair dye, and then they gave the dog a little bit of an enema. Just to really kind of get things moving around. Yeah, it's definitely. So. That's, yeah, Peter's not happy with that. <laughs> uh, well, what I am happy with, uh, digging around for information about this film, one of the f- most fun things that I read was uh, <sighs> Once Upon a Time, uh, Federico Ferlini decided to come and visit New York and hang out with Andy Warhol. And Andy Warhol said, Boy, do I have a movie to show you. Um. And then he took Fellini to see Pink Flamingos. And I don't know what Fellini thought about it because they I'm don't sure have that part. I hope he did. It's but I'm so... just like, I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine. But I mean, to be in a theater where it's, I, what I picture in my head is just Andy Warhol grabbing Fellini by the hand and being like, come with me. Let's, let's watch a revolution happen on oh, yeah. screen. And it just, I just, Fellini watched this movie. It's fucking all I need to know. Oh, yeah. Fellini, like, he loved crazy shit like this. Like, um, and it's funny because I think it's in maybe Fellini Casanova. And I just rewatched it, like, a month ago. And it, uh, she's even in the credits, but he put Chesty Morgan in the Yes! Movie, which, of course, because it's like, he loves crazy, like, 
freakish, whatever. And Chessie Morgan, if you haven't seen, she was in, um, you know, uh, Deadly Weapons. Deadly Weapons. This series movie. She had like like a what a seventy three inch like was it like a seventy three inch bust? I have the disc somewhere, but it's like they are it's like the, a seven forty seven hanging from her chest. It's they are smashing beer cans. Yeah, it's crazy. It's um, so yeah, he liked he liked really unusual stuff. So I'm sure like well, he loved the circus. Oh yeah, and I'm sure like. Yeah, I, I, I wish he would have been able to put Divine in one of his movies. Oh my god. Yes, like uh, Elvira, like she's in Roma, like it's the little extra. Richard Simmons is in uh, Satyricon. You know, it's like these people just show up in these movies and you're like, what? How did they get into this? Um, yeah, Divine would have fit in just perfectly. And actually, probably would have, you know, improved some of his 80s movies, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't um, gotten there yet with him. I don't know if I ever will. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, there's some stuff. Um, Ginger and Fred. Ginger and Fred is probably the best of the '80s ones. But um, yeah, I don't know. So this movie, it's it's great. Like it, it is shocking. It is just I don't know. I don't know what else you can really say about it. But I can just say that I, I totally love say? it. And I've seen this movie so many times, and it's still like it still makes me fucking laugh. I still get excited. I still get like shocked. Um, I don't know. I think maybe it's like for some people, I could see them barely getting through it. But I think maybe once you. Maybe, or maybe it's just that it gets better the more you watch it. I don't know. It was better the second time for me. I hadn't seen it in five years. Watch it again. I couldn't be happier yeah. with, the, with the outcome. Um, but yeah. we have a podcast called Psychotronicast, so maybe it was geared for me. So, yeah, hopefully, if you can find this disc, I know like the one I have, yeah, it's, I, I don't, I'm sure it's probably been out of print for quite a while. But, um, yeah, I'm sure you can probably find it somehow around I know it's not available streaming directly right now but um yeah I definitely recommend it check it out watch it with your weirdest friends um yeah and then it's a good litmus test for people maybe yeah it is alright so next is female trouble yes alright so study up people and subscribe to our patreon um so until then let's keep it purely casual bye bye